Well, hello there, John Schuler. Hello, Brandon Gore. Merry Christmas. We're uh, four days away now. You know, I prefer just happy holidays. I'm I'm more woke. (laughs) 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 That's terrible. Uh, Everybody else like, ah, no. Merry Christmas, my friend. And happy new year, by the way. It's right around the corner. Yeah, this might be our last podcast for 2023 because you're going on vacation. I don't know if I'm going to call it vacation. It's my, I mean, clearly we are going on vacation as a family, but yeah, I'm going to say a wind down, breather. I need some time to like reflect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get into the well-being aspect of being a business owner here in a bit. Um, but this will be our last podcast for this year. So this will be the holiday edition Awesome. So everybody traveling on their planes and trains and automobiles can listen to the smooth sounds of the Concrete Podcast. People probably notice by my voice that I have my Christmas hat on right now. They have to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's obvious. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell. There's no question about it. And my ugly sweater. It's obvious. So we got a, a list of things to talk about. One thing we didn't add to this list, I want to hit really quick, is I've been working on for quite a while, a line of molds I'm going to bring back. So years ago, I used to have molds I, I sold and I would make the tooling, but I had another company manufacture the molds. And that company, the owner of it passed away. I don't know how many years ago now, 10, 12 years ago, maybe even longer. And when he passed away, um, I stopped selling those molds. So I've been wanting to bring that back for a long time. And I tried other companies, never, never got good results. I finally ordered the machinery to do it. And so I'm just now, you know, I I bought that machinery two years ago. I'm just now getting to the point to where I'm ready to, uh, to release this. So the way I'm going to be doing this, the modern molds, M O M O Momo modern molds, the modern molds that I'll be releasing will be released in quote unquote drops. And a drop is just a short term sale. And the reason I'm doing it that way is because what takes a long time with this is setting up the tooling in the machine. So if I just have them all for sale on the website and somebody orders this one, somebody orders that one, somebody orders that one, somebody orders that one, which is what they're, you know, probably going to do. It takes hours to change all the stuff to make that happen between each one. So you sell one mold and you're like, damn it, I got four hours in that one mold, you know? Um, another thing is I don't want to buy all the materials and make 20 of each one and just ha- have them on the shelf because I'm in a small shop and I don't have the space to store all these molds. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to sell these in short run productions. And so the first one I'm going to release is this triangular tile. It's going to be for sale for maybe a week, two weeks. When that sale ends, based on the number of orders that come in, I'll order the, the, uh, the raw materials to make them. I'll make them, I'll ship them. And then that mold won't be for sale again till a later date. When that is, I don't know. But I'm going to get to the point to where probably monthly we'll do a short-term sale on whatever that mold is I'll be producing, or molds. If they're the same size, it's easier to change the tooling. But, you know, it might be a sink or a couple sinks that I sell that month, or it might be tile or whatever. So that's what I'm going to do it, I I think. And uh, so Momo, the website is Make Momo, M-O-M-O, Modern Molds. And you can go check it out and I'll, I'll send an email blast and we'll make an announcement. Although it might happen before we do the next podcast. So I'm just saying, be aware, make Momo, check it out. And, uh, and now that'll go live here soon. And we'll have a short term sale on the triangular mold. And the other thing that's good about it is the pricing is way better. The pricing I'm selling these molds at is pretty much the pricing I used to pay my cost when I bought it from the manufacturer. And there's a reason because it takes time. So they would charge me the cost and not have to mark it up, you know, as a business. But, uh, but me doing all in house now, the customer gets that cost savings. So that's good as well. Uh, the next thing is the workshop coming up in February. We have a fundamentals workshop coming up and we've had several registrations. So we're definitely doing it. I've had people asking about other workshops or we're going to do another pinnacle, another fabric forming. Yes, we haven't scheduled those yet, but if you want to come do the fundamentals, we'd have that coming up. What, what dates is it, John? February 10th and 11th, is that right? Do you know? Let me see here. You there, buddy? John? Oh, I just, uh, I just realized I'm sitting here chatting away and I'm like, 
uh, I guess I hit mute. No, well, I don't mind. I don't mind that at all. Yeah, February tenth and eleventh. <laughs> I was like, dude, it's nice. John's not interrupting me. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. I can just Why talk. Why is he not answering me? <laughs> so yeah. uh, February tenth and eleventh is the workshop. So that's the the fundamental class, the basics class, day and a half class. We we did one. Uh, about a month ago, it went awesome. So we're going to do another one. So if you're interested, go to ConcreteDesignSchool.com and check that out. So that's that's the announcements, and that's out of the way. You ready to get into this podcast, John? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So a big topic of conversation lately that I've been seeing is using a barrel mixer instead of a pan mixer or a vertical shaft mixer or whatever. You know, I, I'm using an Imer 360, which um, is is what some refer to as a pan mixer to mix SEC GFRC Kodiak Pro Maker Mix. That's what I use for it. Back in the day, way back in the day, I used to use an Imer Mortarman. I'm not sure what the model number is, but it's the biggest one they make. I think it was a 350. I had those as well. And then I had the smaller Mortarman as well. Yeah. And that's a barrel mixer. So that was way back in the day when I was using, you know, quote unquote, traditional concrete, you know, quick crete, things like that. Uh, but when, when I made the switch to doing GFRC the way we did it back then, which was a liquid polymer and that kind of stuff, the general wisdom is you need a shearing action to disperse those, those materials properly and that a barrel mixer just didn't do it in a timely fashion. It would do it if you let it mix long enough, but the gravity falling through the blades just wasn't enough to disperse properly. At least that's the way Hiram Ball described it to me. Well, the other part of it is prior to, I agree with you hundred percent. The other issue was the barrel mixers, let's say in general, were, were very well known about, uh, I'm going to say putting air in the mix. The tumbling action actually created foam compared to the, to the faster shear. With the uh, liquid polymers. Correct. Yeah. Which they create foam anyways. I mean, you might as well just put Dawn dish soap in there and do the same thing, but I digress. I still have that barrel mixer in a cargo container behind my shop, way in the back. I got to dig out a bunch of stuff to get to it. But, uh, but I switched to the Imer 360 years ago. And, you know, if I'm doing a smaller mix, I use a Colomix X06 handheld mixer to do those. But there's a lot of people, Martin is one of them, mm-hmm. Martin Duckett, um, Jerry Maurer. I'm trying to think who else I know has has switched to using a barrel mixer, but they're using barrel mixers to mix Kodiak Pro Maker Mix or Rad Mix and having phenomenal results. And I think there's a few reasons for that. I think one is a lot of people have gone to doing an SEC consistency, so it's a very fluid mix. It's not a really thick mix. And so the yeah. gravity mixing is is sufficient for that. And I think the second thing is we're not using liquid polymer or powdered polymer, so we're not foaming the mix like it used to. Correct. And um, so what are your thoughts, John? No, 100%. I, you know, I'm sitting here looking it up because I'll be honest with you. I mean, we just call them barrel mixers. What what does Martin call these things? He's got a name for them that just, I, I don't I think it's just. I think it's just what I'm refers to them there. They have a different name. Instead of Mortarman, they call it a sin, sin something. I don't know. Okay. But it's the same thing. I mean, he posted a photo. It's a Mortarman. They just, I don't know why they do that. Just call it a Mortarman. Call it a Mortarman in the UK. Call it a Mortarman in the U.S. Right. You don't that, need to, okay. That's where I was going with it. Is yeah. I was literally trying to pull up. So that, yeah, there's a couple things just to be aware. I mean, I definitely have used plenty of these barrel mixers over the years and Imer is the one that I've, that I've had that, and now, you know, moved to the vertical shaft. There was a couple things. Uh, do they work? Oh, they absolutely work, but there's a couple things to be aware of. Most of those species, especially the smaller mortar men, Either they were set up for the barrels to be plus or minus about 40 degrees, right? Which meant that all the mix would essentially tumble and roll around the back of the mixer. And that doesn't work very well. So back when I used to pick it up and put like a, uh, a, a pre-made spacer to let the barrel come down a little more flat, you know, you want it almost vertical to get the best out of the shear of the paddles. And I think that's what these guys are doing. You mean horizontal? The bigger ones, yeah, the bigger ones, you just turn the wheel and bring the barrel down almost to the edge of where the mix is, you know, not quite falling out of the mixer, but you're utilizing 
the most shear you can out of the paddles. So that's number one. Don't don't leave it up at the 40 or 30 degree angle. You try to get it down and utilize as much shear possible. Yeah. I, I thought everybody knew that. No, they did not. Is that, nope. is that I mean, something people don't know? So, no, lately, I'll say this. Lately, I've been getting a lot of calls, which I think it's great, from people and loading procedures, and maybe they're getting not the quite similar results. So that's where I wanted to talk about, now in this case, proper loading procedures of a barrel mixer. And Well, how about I, we do this? How about we do it, a comparison okay. of a barrel mixer and a pan mixer? How do you load a barrel right. mixer? And then how do you load a pan mixer? Are there differences? Sure. There is. But first, what I wanted to talk about is I'm going to digress all the way back to the basic understanding of a plasticizer and how to get the best efficiency or the best strength out of your plasticizer so that you're using the least amount of plasticizer necessary to get the workability you want. And the simplest way to describe that is plasticizers water and the plasticizer wants to wrap around all the uh, again cement particles um, cement like particles so that's your pozzolans any it wants to wrap around that that's what makes it most efficient so i'm going to say muddying the water with our fillers like sands and so forth that that lowers the efficiency of the plasticizer so that's why when we've talked about loading in a bucket, right? You go the water, TBP, pigments up front in the water, and then, you know, load the mix in typically at least three lifts, you know, a third of the mix, a third of the mix, a mix. And the whole reason for that is in a pre-blended material like Maker Mix, again, you have filler on board. So you do the best you can by getting it into the water. Initially, that disperses with the first load of pigment or excuse me, with uh, Portland cement and the pozzolans, the silica fume, the whole nine yards, and then you keep loading it up. All right. Now, if that was rad mix, the most efficient way would be, and again, we're still talking about a bucket, would be the liquid, the plasticizer, the pigment, and then the rad mix and the cement goes on board. You mix all that up. Again, that's the most efficient. And then you follow everything with the sand. Uh, but we all know that's difficult because by doing that, you can get cement kind of, you know, stuck in the edges of your mixer. So you always put in some amount of sand. I effectively call it using a grinder. It's like a grinder. You know what I mean? Helping you keep everything else. So I'm just going to say legitimately, that is the most efficient, but not the most practical. So, yeah. So pan mixer. Putting all your waters up front not going to work because, right, it just drips right out the chute. So that's not what we do. We load a, the dry ingredients, we mix that up, and then as I've talked about, you kind of dig a little hole, put your plasticizer pigment, and then dump your water into that so that it hits the plasticizer immediately, turn on your mixer. So comparatively speaking, that's a very efficient way to do it. And then the same, you know, load your materials, keeping it wet. Barrel mixer. So here's some of the issues, I'm going to say similar to a bucket, the most efficient way in a barrel mixer is to load your liquids up front, your plasticizer, and then, and then your cement and your rad mix, and you lay it that mix. But there's a problem with that. That's why I said practical, it's just not practical. What happens is the cement and particles can get stuck to the sides of the barrel, and so that is not the most practical. So then the next most practical is load maybe half the sands with the cement, with the rad mix. You let that mix together in a small and then load the water, the TVP, and the pigment. What you're avoiding here is the water, let's say, coating the inside of the barrel. And then what can happen is if it was just water first, the materials get stuck. And they almost create this shell-like, you know, hardness around, like we were talking earlier. At some point, sometimes those can fall out, fall, fall off the side of the barrel, and then end up back in the mix. And But since the paddles in a barrel mixer are not super high shear, sometimes those chunks can stay chunks. 
And that's the problem. So in this case, again, you got to go, let's say the practically most efficient would be the least amount of sands, which I say about half the sands, and then the, the uh, rad mix, your cement, let that blend together, and then add your TBP, pigment, water, let that wet out, and then load the remainder of your sand in lifts, keeping it wet. That's the most efficient way. Practically most efficient. Okay. Go too fast. That all sound good. I was just typing an email, so I wasn't gotcha. listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then, as as we said, you know, as I was saying, and then make sure you keep adjusting the barrel down, down, down as horizontally as possible to utilize the shear of those pa internal paddles as best you can. Cool. And and then what's the difference with that in a pan mixer? What would you do differently with that? Well, the pan mixer, essentially that's what we do. Now, rad mix, I'd say the same thing. You know, we put about half the sands, put all your cement, your rad mix, you let that mix up a little bit, and then you're, you put in your TBP, your pigment, and your water, you mix that up, and then you load your, the remainder of your sands last. Now, again, that's the rad mix version, but with people using the fully blended maker mix, that's where our recommendation has been, you know, let's say 60, 70% of your total dry ingredients. Then the TBP pigment plasticizer, or did I say that? TBP pigment water, let all that blend, and then add the remaining dry ingredients, at least in two, two or three lifts, keeping it wet, so that you don't have that material just, you know, draining out of your chute. Yeah, nobody wants a, a drippy chute. No, I don't like it. No bad. Uh, well, you know, Martin Duckett posted a comment about how he's loading his barrel mixer. And I sent it to you because we were talking yeah. about this morning and you're, we're talking about, you know, this is a topic of conversation and, and it's something we should discuss. And you were saying, I said, well, Martin's doing it differently. And right. what Martin's doing, let me see, I sent you the screenshot. I took a screenshot of his response just so you'd see the way he's doing it. The way he's doing it is, um, he loads all the water, plasticizer, and ice at the start, and then adds the dry. What's the downside of doing it that way? Well, that's what I was saying. The downside of doing that, I mean, the reality is that would be the most efficient from a chemistry point of view, but it's not the most efficient from a practical point of view because what can happen, and I've seen it, I can't tell you how many times over the years using a barrel mixer, is as the water... Oh, it looks like I'm getting a delivery of rock going on. I just heard a big bang. Yeah, me too. Yeah. As the water, let's say, coats the inside of that drum, what can happen is some of your cement and rad mix and stuff like that will literally attach to that wet drum. And then as more water comes around and splashes over whatever got stuck to the drum, it literally kind of crusts it in there. At some point, maybe it'll break away and fall back into the mix. But when that happens, sometimes those chunks remain chunks. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And then you don't realize it until after you got your cast going. So to, to some degree, some amount of sand should be on board to act as a grinder, if you will, and helps prevent a big part of that. Yeah, I, I remember that happening when I used to do quick crete and the old school buddy roads bagged mix way back in the day was, yeah, if you put all the water in and you put that in, you'd get that layer that caked on layer. Right. And it would, especially with the quick crete mixes with the big, big gravel in there, it eventually would take it off, but you'd have to let it mix an extra, you know, five, 10 minutes to really get it to clean it off. And I'd stop the mixer and take something, scrape it off, yep. you know, reach in there and scrape it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. Yep. And then hope, hope that they, it didn't stay chunks like in some way, because you know, those paddles in a, in a barrel mixer, I don't know, comparatively, they're just not the highest shear. You know what I mean? They're not like a true physical shear. So if chunks end up remaining through there, as we've all seen those mixers kind of flow through the paddles, the chunks will flow right through there as well. They don't break up as easily. Yeah. Yeah. So years and years ago, uh, Maximizer was a company out of Texas. 
that was doing a lightweight mix. I don't know if they're even still around, but the whole idea, in fact, I think they tried to patent it, what I'm going to talk about here in a second, but you know, they found out they couldn't patent it because these kind of things were already happening. But people couldn't figure out, like, how can these guys get all this shale-like aggregate in, but the shale was not absorbing all the moisture? And what they found was by putting things like silica fume or, anyway, let's just say really fine particle, the fine particle would coat that shale aggregate and then prevent a lot of your water loss being absorbed into the shale you know, in the cracks and crevices and just around it in general. That same philosophy can be said with any sands. So what you don't want to do is load all your sands up front and sands alone. And I'm trying to think as I'm saying this, I think you reminded me who actually did that or told people that was the best way to do it, but it's not. So you don't want to put all your sands up front with the idea that you put your water in and somehow the sands are going to absorb a certain or get wet out by that water and then load your plasticizer and so forth on top of that because plasticizer has no effect on the sands. What, we, what you will end up doing under that circumstance is, yes, you will get some of that sand to absorb your water. It's what we call absorption ratio. And when that happens, that amount of water now has, or let's say can't help with hydration and can't help with workability. Take it a step further when you put your plasticizer up that early and then disperse it through the water. And then if any of it coats the sand, now you've lost, let's say at least 20, 25% of the strength of your plasticizer because the plasticizer actually you want effective against your cement. You know, your cement, your fine particle, you know, things like that, not the sands. Makes sense. So the, the reverse, yeah. Sands, the best way would be sands added last, but that's not really practical because the, you know, the problem with things like sticking in the mixer or even in the vertical shaft dripping out the chute. So that's just not a practical way of doing it. So you try to load just enough sand to keep things, you know, let's say ground up and not sticking, but not all the sands up front. Gotcha. And that was one of the questions I got from somebody who, who I actually owe a phone call to, <clears throat> Jason, I think it's Jason, who was asking me about this. And I had no idea. It's one of those, like, when I'm doing tech support and, I'll, you know, the typical questions, what was your loading, you know, whatever, mixed temperature, et cetera, et cetera. And we ran through that. And I'm like, man, that all looks right. It seems weird. So maybe your water, you know, do you have any hard water or really softened water, which would upset the strength of the plasticizer? And that's when I just say, hey, just just give me a start to finish. And he did. And that was one of the things he was loading all the sands up front, the plasticizer, the water. And I'm like, OK, well, there it is. Yeah. There's your issue. Yeah. So whoever came up with that to put that information out there. Yeah, that's that is just not the way to do it. Well, I'm going to say from a chemistry standpoint, an efficiency standpoint, that is not the way you want to do it. Is there anything else you want to add to this discussion, John? No. I mean, I got rid of my barrel mixers a long time ago, uh, but then I start thinking like, hey, wow, maybe I'll look for a used one, but I got enough mixers. <laughs> I don't need any more mixers. Plus, I love that 120 plus. I'm using that for everything now, so. Yeah. Well, I see the benefit of the barrel mixer. I mean, for me, the main benefit is how quickly you can clean it in comparison to the pan, to the Imer 360. Cause that 360, realistically, when I get done mixing, I'm going to spend 15 minutes cleaning that thing, 20 minutes maybe of just getting under everything, scrubbing here, scraping over here. And then I squeegee it all out and, you know, wipe it with WD 40 so it doesn't rust and all that kind of stuff. Really? Takes, see, yeah. I remember. This is what I've been doing. I think we've talked about this. And I actually got this from Ron Mills in Texas. His a little electric um, pressure washer. Yeah, it sounds like pure hell. It sounds like it's going to spray all over my damn shop. Oh, no. zippity doo dah, clean, clean, clean. Man, it was done. Yeah. yeah. So that's know. what I do. I don't know. I have a feeling it's going to end up on the walls. It's going to end up on the ceiling. You know, mix splattered everywhere. Doesn't well, sound like a good idea. Just to don't me. use it like guys do when they stand in front of a urinal and go pee. It doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to turn it loose everywhere, man. Yeah. Just 
like just just put it right <laughs> into the mixer. Yeah. And then it doesn't get all over the floor and on the wall and yeah. Just put it in. Good. Yeah. Just put it in. Just put it in. Just put it in, John. Treat it like you know what you're doing with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not like you're the first time standing up to a urinal and just like, ah, let it go. Uh, yeah. Yes. I know what you're talking about. I do know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. That's the one downside of public restrooms, man. They're just gross. Well, so one downside of urinals, because I had a urinal in my shop. I had a urinal in my shop in in Eureka Springs. And we do classes, and you go in there, you're like, who's peeing on the floor in here? Like, who's missing the urinal? But every time I'd have a class, I'd go in there, and everybody peeing on the floor. I I never quite understood that. Are people standing back like three feet from the urinal? Uh, Are they... Yeah, watching I mean, videos on your phone and just not even paying and that's attention. that's you start looking around, right? You start looking around and trying to get all the guys and looking right in the eye. Because you know how you're like your dog knows when it did something bad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and their head's down and they're just waiting for it. That's when you start looking at all the attendees and like, all right, man. But it's like, it? It, yeah, you go in any public restroom and yeah. there's always pee underneath the urinal. You're like, what is going on here? What is going no, on? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you I came you this to... far. You came yeah. all the way up to it. All the way. But right. you didn't make that last inch, you know? And maybe that's the that's problem. Something. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just, maybe it's just not long enough. Well, it's either that or, you know, like when you blow up a balloon, you blow up a balloon and then you just turn it loose. It's all, I mean, maybe that's what people are doing. Just, you got there, but that last inch got you. You came all this way. You walked all the way here. Then. I know. You know I'm, just just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. So that was how to load a mixer. Okay. We have another really interesting thing to discuss and that is you've been working on a new version of ICT for some time. I've been using it and I love it and other yep. people have been using it that you've sent to test, but we've been you've been working on this new version and we're going to be releasing it next year, but we're thinking about getting it out if somebody's interested, if you're listening and you use ICT and you're interested in getting this new version, it's not free, right. you're still going to have to buy it. But you can be an early user of it and give us, you know, your, your feedback on it. But you want to talk about right. that? Yeah, 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 yeah. See, this is where I hate using the word new. <clears throat> I wouldn't say it was new. Uh, here's what I'm going to say. So, you it's know, brand new, John. It's never been used it's before. It's brand new. It's never been done. Yeah. So actually, well, that is true from a chemistry standpoint. So since, uh, since coming out with the prime and this emulsion chemistry, I've been working diligently trying to figure out how to make the emulsions chemistry stable into us back into a single component mix. So then as everybody's talked to me, you know, I use this stuff, I use it. And I have to admit from a John Schuler point of view in my shop, when I'm sealing, I get a call from somebody, I stop to do some tech support as I'm stealing a vanity or whatever the case may be. And then I got to look back and be like, oh, damn it, where I'm at, you know, do I need to put one more prime where I'm at? That's where I've really tried to teach people based on visual cues uh, versus, you know, whatever applicator or roller or whatever you still had sitting there in your ceiling area. So where I'm going with that is there are some times when even me, I've forgotten where I'm at. I ended up in an hour-long conversation talking about someone on how to load their barrel mixer, you know, to get the most out of the plasticizer, et cetera, et cetera. So all the way back when, I really wanted to get the chemistry back into a single component instead of a, a two-step process. I've done that and and then from there, you know, maintain stability. So, you know. Everything's gone well over a year from complete stability. And so what I want to do is starting next year is introduce that back to people as a single component. Prime will still be available for, for everybody who like Prime and, you know, and perfectly happy using Prime. But I'm going to get the Protect and the Satin formulas back into the ability to both complement the Prime but be a single component type of sealer. That's really where I'm going. And so I 
want to get this stuff into people's hands and see how they feel about it. Application steps and techniques will still remain the same. The only difference would be you'd be using the sealer from start to finish, which technically has merged the prime into the chemistry. And um, and those people who don't can still use the prime and the sealer, whatever works for them. Well, I used it for the conference table up in the meeting room here that we, that I, I say we, I'm doing it again. I was talking about this last week uh, that I yeah. built for the last workshop we did. And I asked you to send me this all-in-one sealer. Gosh, darn yeah. it. I got this microphone in a weird spot again. Um, I asked you to send me this all-in-one sealer instead of doing, you know, the prime separately. And so I used that for that and I sealed it. And we were using it less than three days later, like two and a half days later, we were on it after I sealed it. And, you know, I was a little bit worried, to be honest, because it's the first time using it. And people had water bottles and glass bottles and fast food and whatever, you know, coffee cups. And I'm just sitting there watching these water bottles sit there all day and sweat, you know, they're dripping water and it's just sitting there. I'm like, uh, 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 uh. (laughs) don't say anything. Don't (laughs) act like you notice. Yeah. I'm just like, you know, just kind of freaking out a little bit because first time I don't, I don't have any frame of reference yet. And I'll tell you, I was very, very impressed and surprised at how amazing it was. It was as good as it's ever been, you know, end of the day, I'd pick up the water bottles, wipe off, no darkening, you know, the table looks perfect, 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 perfect. So a class came in, they used it just like, I didn't tell anybody that this was all in one sealer. I didn't tell anybody, I just sealed it two days before. I, you know, just everybody just use it like you would any other table. And so I didn't say anything, I just watched and it performed beautifully. And so, and I also sealed the, um, the window stools, these sill plates that are down here in the office. I'm looking at them right now. And I've been setting coffee cups, water bottles, you know, whatever on those every day and just letting them set. And, uh, again, they're, they're performing absolutely, uh, perfectly. So I'm a fan of the all in one. It it is one less thing to have on the shelf. If you're a customer, you know, that's one of our kind of our, uh, driving mantras and, you know, something we really focus on is simplifying the process. And so when we did Kodiak Pro instead of having an ECC mix and a clay mix and a sprayable mix and all these different bagged mixes. We said, let's do one mix and then we adjust the plasticizer to get the consistency. Yep. And so with this, you know, ultimately I, I agree that there's people that prefer to do the prime the way they've always done it. But I think most people in time will merge over to the all in one because it's, you know, you don't have to buy two products. There's less things, to, uh, to have a shelf life of, but also it's just an easier, quicker process in my opinion. So. No, that's exactly, that's why initially, well, it's just the nature of me. Anybody who's known me long enough, uh, as soon as I put the one together, I'm like, Hey, this is awesome, but why can I get it into this? (laughs) Why? And, uh, yeah, that took some time, you know, and some, some real interesting chemical moves to make that happen. But, uh, but I love it. I mean, I really like it. Yeah. I, I probably have plus or minus 14, 18 projects out there that go back from the very beginning. Uh, fortunately I have clients that are totally cool. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. John, no problem. Can you, can you come in and reseal it if it doesn't work? And I'm like, yeah. And no, they, it's let's say in field and in total use has been doing fantastic. So uh, I'm really looking forward to put this in some more people's hands and, you know, get everybody, get the feedback as, as we keep moving along. So if you want to get in on that, contact John, contact John, tell him you want to get the new all in one. I'm going to keep calling it new. You want the, you want the new stuff, the new all in one sealer. He changed it. Dude, every year (laughs) Apple comes out with a new iPhone and people go crazy for it. You know, they want the newest. And this is, this is a new iteration of ICT. Instead of having two standalone products that you use, you have one product. How's that a bad thing? That's a good thing. Oh no, I'm excited about it. No, as you know, because I talked to you about it. I I think this coming year, not I think, 2024 is going to have some 
slow introductions of some very unique and innovative chemistries that I'm very excited about. Yeah. And this is one. This is the first one. I want to get into everybody's hands. Well, just in my opinion, innovation and moving the ball forward is a good thing. You don't want to leave it, you know, 50 yards behind you because you got that far, but I'm just going to stop right there. You know, I can see the goalpost, yeah, but we're going to stop right here. This is good enough. No, it's not. Keep going. Keep going. And that's, I, that's, agree. No. I think that's the key to anybody's well-being. is, uh, and I can't remember his name. I really liked him. He put the tattoo member, stay hungry. And basically what he was saying is... Justin, you know, Justin. Yeah, that's right, Justin. Keep striving. You know, don't, uh, don't get complacent. Two, was it two stone? Two stone or two dogs? Two stone? I don't remember. Yeah. He's in Canada. Justin something. I can't remember his last name at the moment. But, <clears throat> yeah. but two something. It was either two stone or two dogs. I feel like it's two stone, but I, I could be wrong on that. Anyway, yeah, I don't even know if he's still doing it, but... I, that saying I like, and that that's undeniably where I'm at is the moment I reach something, I, I don't, I don't even sit down to take a breather. I just kind of like, great. That looks awesome. Great. Now let's keep going. What's the next level? Where can we take this? Yeah. I mean, that's, if you stop, if you're not innovating and you're not advancing, then you're dying, you know, then you're, you're just, you're stagnant and stagnant ultimately will be death to anybody. So you need to keep advancing, uh, whether it's your company, whether it's your product offerings, whether it's if you're doing materials, the, the chemistry of your products, the makeup of your products, which brings me to my last topic, John, that I want to talk about. It's actually kind of a multi-pronged topic. There's a few different things to discuss about it, but two podcasts ago, we talked about our philanthropic, kind of well-being initiative that we want to focus on with Kodak Pro called Craft Concrete Cures. And, you know, we're, we're working on that, but, you know, you are focused on your health and I need to focus on my health. Um, I've gained some, you know, my, my belt is now two holes bigger than it was the start of last year. The problem belt struggling, dude, my belt belt is struggling. Let me tell you my problem. My problem was I wore swimsuits all summer and they're elastic, right? So there's no frame of reference and I don't ever get on a scale, but I'm like, damn, I look good, right? Every day, put on my swimsuit, my flip flops, my shirt, and that's what I wore to work every day. But then come the fall, when it gets cold, I put on my, my jeans and a belt. I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? This isn't good. Two holes down the line, right? So over the summer, uh, I'd, I'd gotten a little carried away. Um, so I do need to focus on my, on my health. It's like when you put a tattoo on your belly and just when you think, man, this tattoo seems like it's getting faded. No, dude, it's not faded. I'm just stretching out. <laughs> 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 the butterfly becomes an eagle. Yes. Right. You and I were talking about this and you know, you're all about challenges. You do this with your own family. You guys do like health yep. challenges and different things. And so, you know, you're saying like, dude, me and you, let's, let's, uh, let's, you know, track each other's progress and, and, uh, you know, set like essentially a goal and track. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And, and then we started thinking about how do we incorporate this into the craft concrete cures. And so you, I found an app and I think it's what we're going to use. It's called better together. It's on the app store for iPhone. It's probably on Android as well. I haven't checked. Um, but it's called better together. And essentially we're able to set up a group and we can all track our progress. Now it's based on the honor system. You're going to have to be honest with your, you know, your, your readings, um, your weight. And, you know, I think we can track different metrics on it, uh, body fat percentage, things like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we should set a challenge, maybe a 30 day challenge, a 60 day challenge and a 90 day challenge and have, uh, an award for who wins each one of those. Yeah, that'd be fun. And anybody who wants to fun. get involved, yeah, if, if you're a listener and you want to get involved, we'd love to have you as part of this challenge. And, and uh, you know, we can all get healthier together. And I think it's more fun when it's kind of a competition, you know. Well, that always makes, you know, it just adds a, a bit of excitement to it. I think like any of us, like when Kevin McDonald, he was, and I think he's still doing an advocate of that 75 strong and I believe that's what it was called. And it was the idea to take 75 days of really self-care is what it was. And it added a few things like, you know, every day read three books, you know, three pages in a book. And every day write down something that you're thankful for or, you know, these kind of things. And along with that, 
was the health and fitness type of stuff. And, but here's the thing, right? I would try it a few times, even though I'm doing my, you know, workouts and stuff and it just would never catch on. And even though I'm used to working out by myself, there's times that when my buddy of my name, Tim, he comes down and we work out together, you just get a better workout. Not because you're necessarily pushing each other. It's just, it's just having somebody else with you. It adds a little bit to it that keeps you inspired. And, and that's what I see something like this doing is it keeps you going, right? I mean, as simple as it sounds, and we've talked about this with employees, like, uh, I hate it. Now I have to be there at, at eight o'clock because I told them. But see, when you make when I make that appointment at three to go work out, it keeps me honest. You know what I mean? Like, hey man, I gotta work out at three. We'll be there at three because he's gonna be waiting on me. And that's where I see this. And I and I hope people claim on because self-care, but you know, the emotional, physical. You know, that's also a big part of what I hate to say. I really think Kodiak also stands for, not just the materials, you know, being top-notch and premium. If you look if you look around at this core of individuals, big or small, and those that come on board, even this week, you know, talking to, you know, four new customers this week, which seems amazing to me since Christmas is right around the corner. The mentality in you know, and awareness and it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. So that's where I see this fitting in as part of that. Yeah. Well, health is a big part of what we focus on as far as materials. And so last year we discussed rad mix and how it can be used to make silica free concrete. And people were like laughing at that. They thought it was hilarious. Oh right? man, people got angry. Oh, they're, they're hyenas. <laughs> right. You know, oh, you can't do that. No, we can, we can. And here's how you do it. And we have this product that contains zero silica and we can guide you with the sands to use that contain no silica and you can have silica free concrete. And people thought we were crazy. They, you know, that's totally unnecessary. You guys are just stoking fear, fear mongering. Oh, I remember that one, right? Yeah, it sounds yeah. like you're stoking fear. Yeah, you yeah. guys are just fear mongering. Well, it just turns out Australia as a country has shut down all things related to silica. The whole solid, what was it, engineered stone industry is completely yeah. 100% shut down in Australia. Right. And so the yeah. things, you know, I mean, as always, we're kind of on, on uh, the cutting edge and a couple steps ahead is we saw that this was a problem and we developed a product that addressed that problem. And so yes. health, I have kids, dude. I don't come to my shop and, and use materials that are going to make me sick. Same thing with sealer. You know, we talk about there's a lot of uh, manufacturers or people that are down packing sealer that'll tell you it's food safe. And they contain yeah, extremely toxic chemicals. And they'll say, oh, well, but one, you know, once it cross links, it's, you know, fully... Uh, fully cured and it's totally safe. No, it's not. No, it's not. And so the products that we sell, ICT, Radmix, all these products, they're, they're focused on the health of our customer because we use these products and we, we care about our families. We want to make products that you use and you can feel good about using. And you can feel good about right. making things that go in your own home, your house, for your clients. You don't, you don't have to worry about it. We talked about this a long time ago, but somebody's using a sealer, a big company is using a sealer called Healer Sealer. And Healer yeah. Sealer was used to seal bridge decks. And it's this epoxy right. sealer that was extremely toxic. And the owner of that company became so sensitized to the sealer, he couldn't even walk into his own building. He'd break out in hives. His whole body would break out in hives. But they still <laughs> but continued. But still have people using it. Exactly. And you're still sending yeah. it to people that have children and newborns and, you know, immunocompromised people that these things should not be in the house. And you're sending it out there. I don't know. I, I don't agree with that. Uh, so we make products that we feel good about and we feel good about the health aspect of it. And that's a priority for us. But the Kodiak Pro... Uh, craft concrete cures. You know, if we can do these health initiatives as an industry and we can get together as a group and focus on our own health, whether that's our physical health or our mental health, we're all for it. And we, we definitely want to move that ball forward. That also brings me, John, you know, we're well, hang on. I just wanted to read this because while you were talking, I pulled it up and sure enough, uh, just reading the, it's not just that. So uh, Australia has become the first country to prohibit engineered stone. And as of July 1st, 
2024. It's a full ban. And it was unanimously voted on by the Commonwealth as a protection for the, you know, silicosis or problems with silicosis and health issues. Um, Engineered stone is a fashion product that is killing the workers who make it, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, that we started that from the beginning, right? I mean, you and I had that at one point. I, we were using ground silica as as micro sands, and instantly saw like, no, man, this is just not cool, not cool, and instantly took that on. And sorry, I'm digressing back to it, but I just remember the hornet's nest for a while <laughs> that we got related to that. <clears throat> that now, you know, coincidentally, here we are a year later or however it's been. And sure enough, there they are, Australia being the first country to ban these products because of silicosis issues. So it's going to be interesting to see how things move forward into the crystal of silica free materials. And I think concrete, as long as these guys can get on board and bring some concrete materials to the table, it should really boom over there very nicely. I agree. So it brings me to my last part of this discussion on well-being, and that is staying excited about what we do and having a passion for it. And you know, you've seen people, I've seen people that get into this industry and they they kind of just they reach a plateau and they don't do anything beyond that. And they ultimately become kind of disenfranchised and just unhappy with what they're doing. Yeah. And, and yeah. they go out of business. And I think that has to do with they're, they're not passionate about it anymore. They're not um, finding things they love and they're not making new things. So you and I were talking about this earlier today and you were saying, you know, you, you love innovation and chemistry. You yeah. love it. And I know that you love it, John, but you are this extreme subset in this industry that geeks out on the chemistry. And I love you for it, but I'm not that person, right? I would say the vast majority of people in this industry are in it for the artistry and the craftsmanship of it, of making things. And so Kodiak Pro provides materials where they can make amazing things, but it's up to the artisan, to the craftsman, craftsperson to make whatever they're going to make with it. Right. Yeah, and I, I think agree. that's, yeah, I think that's where people, they get into it, they make some cool things, but then they just kind of hit a, a roadblock. And I talked about this a long time ago, but I'm a big advocate for it. It's done wonders for me. And that is a design a day, a design a day. And so get yourself uh, a moleskin journal or um, there's other ones, but just white page, little journal and go to a coffee shop every single morning. And this is like going to the gym. This is like anything else. You make yourself do it. You go to the coffee shop, you sit down and you spend 15 minutes doing a design of anything. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be designed for a new pot. Uh, it could be designed for a uh, doorstop. It could be designed for an umbrella holder. It could be designed for signage. It could be designed for anything, window frames. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. You make yourself just look around and see something and think I could do that in concrete and do a sketch. And this does a couple things. A, it improves your sketch in the building, your ability to translate ideas to paper. The more you do it, the better you get. It's definitely a skill that you develop over time. So the more you do it, the better. I, I know so many people are like, well, I can't draw. Well, you're not trying. So the more you do it, the better you're going to get. And um, so you're developing that. But number two, you're just getting ideas out. And if you do that for a year and you have 365 designs, I guarantee you there's going to be some gold nuggets in there that are really, really good designs. A lot of them won't be, and that's fine. This, the point is you're not trying to hit a home run on every one. You're just going through the exercise of making your mind think of something new. And the more right. you do it, the more you do it. And so I think that's a really good way to keep the passion in what you do and to find a new product that maybe you never even considered, but now you went through the exercise come up with a new product that can really propel your company forward in a whole different direction that you never considered. Um, cornhole boards. I mean, there's so many things. I, I, I see so many companies that are just killing it on, on objects I never would have even considered. Right. And uh, so I think there's a lot of market opportunity, but you know, people don't buy concrete. People buy what you make with concrete. And so you need the best materials possible to, to make what you want, but it's up to you to make the thing that the customer wants. That's what they're buying is what you make with it. And so design is everything 
And that's, in my opinion, the best way to keep the passion and come up with new ideas. Any thoughts? No, 100% agree. I mean, just recently, as I'm looking around to various people we know, making anything from, I, I, I hate to call them little candle votives to uh, whatever the, the fire, I don't know, you know, put the alcohol in a fire burner, whatever. I mean, you know, there's so many cool things that are people are making, but it keeps them, it keeps them excelling. And I think that's a big part of what all of us, the moment you quit doing that, that's when I've also watched people, I hate to use the word burnt out, but like legitimately like, uh, and you get to the point where you're just like, uh, I'm just doing this one just, you know, again, to pay the bills and it's no longer exciting. It goes further than just your business. And, you know, that carries over into your personal life and everything. So if you can keep, keep the passion alive, that, uh, that goes a long way with, with all of us in our, in our daily life, business life. And you'll, and you consider, can continue to see you yourself and your business excel. That's what I've seen. That's, I mean, it, it definitely works for me. And I think that's a hard one. I, I don't know, man, this, this is probably now we're going to get all I don't see myself as any different than anybody else. And, and I think that's a hard thing for people is realizing that whatever I do in my business and my clientele that we try to purvey out that has helped us become successful from that end of the world. And then we skip a lot of things in our personal lives and all of that and our health, you know, all of that in a nutshell is what keeps the passion and moving forward. And, um, and that's been a big part of this business since you and I brought it out. So I'm excited, you know, I'll continue to be excited for everybody that wants to be a part of this growth, if you will. Well, John, you got to start packing, go to Disneyland. Yeah. Disneyland, baby. Yep. Kids have their last finals this week. And then, um, yeah, I need to step back for a minute anyway, right? I need a yeah. breather. Mental health, yeah. man. Mental health. You're going to be at Disneyland. I'm going to be in my shop casting concrete. But, you know. Well, it's kind of like Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to get these client projects out. And once that's done, I always say this, man. I've been saying this for years. Once that's done, I can focus on passion projects, you know. And I have a lot of them. Things I want to build. Designs I want to see through. But inevitably... As soon as I get these out, I'm like, okay, there's like two more come in. Hey, we need to get this. Well, you wait, buddy. After Disneyland, that's when I'm, no question, downloading that app and we're going to take off. I'm excited about that with the, from the health aspect. That'll be fun. Better together. So last, last thing to hit, makemomo.com for the molds. Keep an eye out on that. I'm going to do that short-term drop on the triangular tile and concretedesignschool.com for the Fundamentals Workshop, February 10th and 11th. And John, Merry Christmas to our listeners. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And uh, we'll see you in 2024. 2024, baby. Adios, amigo. Adios. Adios.